ever donated? You know how it asks to donate on top? Have you ever donated? So do you have Wikipedia Pro? <laughs> I actually feel kind of guilty for saying this, but there's two pieces of software I've never paid for. I've never donated to Wikipedia, which mm -hmm. everyone out there should. And I've never paid for WinRAR. It's like... <laughs> I've unzipped and zipped so many files on Windows, never paid for WinRAR, probably never will. Thank God you said that, because I've never paid for Wikipedia <laughs> either, but I use it extensively. Like every day. Yeah. <sighs> that was my biggest source in undergrad. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, obviously I'd follow the citations. The Wikipedia dentist. <laughs> tut tut, looks like rain. Hi there. Are you sick of being uh, caught in the rain? Well, you don't have to be sick of that anymore. Introducing the Rain Brain, the world's first rainstorm detector device. All you have to do is put it on the outside of uh, your window, and the second that it starts raining, it detects it. And then it has a siren that goes, so alerting you to the fact that the rain is starting um, so you can s stop guessing if it's raining and you can know for sure that it's raining with the rain brain our guest today will be graduating in a few short months from the dental school at the university of utah as a doctor of dental surgery he's continuing his post-dental school education at virginia commonwealth university where he will complete a master's in dental science with an emphasis in orthodontics. He is one of the most intelligent people I've ever met, but he's also kind and super humble. In fact, I think I'm making him blush right now as I'm saying this. <laughs> this will come as no surprise, but I should also mention he's a close friend, ally, and someone that both Brett and I look up to. This is our conversation with Logan Passy. Wow, thank you for having me. That Welcome, was, Logan. <laughs> that was a beautiful introduction that I feel like was, yeah. There's, a lot of titles in there. <laughs> Thanks, Jimmy. You worked hard to get those titles. Oh, yeah. Don't make me, don't make me think twice about it. <laughs> no, it has been fantastic, and I'm very excited to be a part of this today. Thank you. I just want to put a little disclaimer. I am a student dentist. I am approaching the end of my studies, and just weeks away, I will be a licensed professional, but I am not your dentist, and nothing I say today <laughs> takes the place of professional advice from your dentist. And if you have real questions, please contact your dentist. Fair. So, if I asked you what was like the first and the oldest dental specialty, what, what would you think it would be? Like of the of dentistry, a guy, <laughs> a guy with his friend just putting a string around a tooth that had a toothache, tying it to a doorknob. <laughs> And shutting it. I That's, love it. <laughs> that was the birth of dentistry. That and that's right true. You can you can look it up. Look it's it true. up. True. <laughs> so obviously people have had teeth and been working on teeth for forever. But in the early eighteen hundreds, I would it's before specialties existed as a, a specific part of dentistry. But really the first specialty in dentistry was that of anesthesia because you can imagine being in the early 1800s mm. doctors aren't going around doing surgeries like they are now except for like emergent situations yeah. and things right but dentists were dealing with pain all the time oh. everybody was in pain that's why they were going to the dentist so mm -hmm. they were figuring out how to deal with this pain Interesting. and historically they'd used opium and alcohol and mm -hmm. many different things but there was a dentist, Horace Wells, who's really the pioneer of anesthesia and first experimented with diethyl ether on patients and later nitrous oxide. And in our dental school education, we get that. <laughs> we, get, we get that presentation that he experimented with these things and found ways to mitigate pain so that we could extract teeth and do dental procedures. What we didn't hear was about his fancy lifestyle thereafter. <laughs> you would imagine, how would one come across the effects of diethyl ether hmm. and nitrous oxide? You don't just stumble upon that. <laughs> yeah. That's not something, you know, a dentist who's busy and actively trying to, you know, treat patients in his practice is just sure. on the weekends, just huffing bath Discovered salts. Discovered this. <laughs> right. I don't even, do you huff bath salts? How do you do bath salts? You can huff whatever you want. Someone in the comments let us <laughs> How do you take bath salts? Uh, but he actually came to a very tragic end. On his 33rd birthday, 
much like Jesus. 33. <laughs> so, That's oh, young. That, I think is significant, but go on. Yeah. He ended up being strung out on something and threw sulfuric acid over the clothing <gasps> of a few prostitutes, was arrested, and later, as the influence <gasps> of the drug waned, he realized what he had done and committed suicide. So the father what? of modern dentistry and anesthesia came to a bitter end from his experimentations in dentistry. Uh, Something maybe you didn't what? know. I had no idea. Yeah. Now we have laughing gas and our lives are so much better. Where did you, where did you learn that? Wikipedia. Wow. Because in it our all comes dental, back to Wikipedia. In our, in our dental education, we're given the first half of this amazing uh -huh. pioneer researcher in dentistry came up with di <laughs> using diethyl ether, uh -huh. which had been used in medicine, but nitrous, he was he really did that. And we just move on. But I think the rest of that story is That's pertinent. the more compelling part. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> awesome. Well, I want to just like start our conversation with you today by like throwing you a, a hardball. How soft or hard should a toothbrush be? <laughs> that was very softball. Thanks for starting it off on such an easy topic. People really like the satisfaction that a hard bristled toothbrush gives to them. But that's <laughs> it doesn't make your teeth any more clean. In fact, it's actually quite abrasive. So oh. the softer your toothbrush, the better. I actually tell people because you can see it after years of abuse with a hard toothbrush. You can uh, see effects on the teeth. Really? And I'll tell them to brush with their non-dominant hand. If just their index finger and thumb, oh. and just as gentle as they possibly can. The toothbrush bristles, it should be a gentle massage on your on your teeth. It should not be too aggressive. So you, you were the first person to ever share this information with me. Before getting to know you, I treated my mouth like I was going to war with my teeth. <laughs> Every time I brushed it, just no. as hard as possible, getting yeah, in there. Yeah, you gotta scrub that plaque Yeah, off. like you can hear it from, yeah. you know, down the hallway when I'm brushing my teeth. And it felt so good, huh? <laughs> so good. Right, like I had, you know, like I'm fighting my mouth, like I'm scrubbing tile in a bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the grout in between your teeth. <laughs> well, I'm glad you're no longer doing that. <laughs> And the, the reason being is because our modern day diets are so acidic. We start our days off with coffee and drink juice and soda and LaCroix and mm. <laughs> sugar is super acidic and we're just bathing our teeth in acid all day long. And then we take a hard bristled toothbrush to that and just brush our teeth away. Ooh. By the time we're 60, we're losing tooth structure. So the softer you can brush your teeth and the more you can moderate your acid or sugar intake, better off you're gonna be. Hmm. Interesting. So soft bristled, but what about the the age-old debate of electric versus manual? Where do you stand on that? Well, I'm a bit of a techie, and <laughs> the further you can get there, I personally use a Sonicare, but all the electric toothbrushes do a pretty good job. I don't know how Quip compares. It's a mm -hmm. newer one on the market. Mm -hmm. I don't oh, know how trendy. it compares mm -hmm. with the other electric toothbrushes, but there is evidence to support that an electric toothbrush is better for your teeth and your gums and your gum health. So <laughs> I would highly recommend it. I don't use my Sonicare every day because I have notoriously a little bit more sensitive teeth. So I'll use oh. uh, my Sonicare every couple days, but I'll use a soft bristled toothbrush just really gently. Mm -hmm. It's not as much, when you're brushing your teeth, it's not as much about removing food debris right. as it is applying fluoride in your toothpaste uh -huh. to your teeth. Occasionally, I can see in people's mouths which hand is dominant. If they're right-handed, I notice that the left side of their <laughs> mouth is cleaner is than the right side of their mouth. So being mindful of that going forward and making sure to switch it up to make sure you get all of your teeth. Uh-huh. Yeah. Interesting. You saying that makes me think of like a, a meme I've seen, and I've even had coworkers <laughs> say this to me of, yeah, right before I go to the dentist, like the night before the morning of, I make sure to brush my teeth super well and but i'm sure from your perspective that makes zero difference it doesn't matter how good someone brushes their teeth right before coming to see you you know the spots they're missing the spots they're taking care of yeah absolutely it it does not make a difference years of neglect does not made up for it one night okay, we appreciate well. it if you brush it right before though that way we don't have to clean food off your teeth just to look at um, it i have one of that 
that somebody came in after having had a turkey sandwich for lunch. Oh. And I was like, I'll bet you 20 bucks I can guess what you had for lunch. And she took it. Oh, man. <laughs> I obviously didn't take her $20. but You it deserved it. <laughs> it was oh, a sandwich gross. for lunch. Oh. Super gross. Okay, well, I, I have just a load of questions to ask you about mouths, teeth, gums, everything inside that crevice. I mean, the entire time that I've known you, which has been quite a while, you have been in school and working toward being a dentist, right? It, it takes a lot to become a dentist. It's incredible how much it takes to become a dentist. Do you want to brush really, uh, no pun intended, on your, uh, what's it taken to get here? How's it been so far? What have sure. you done? How's school been? How long has it been? Uh, so I studied biology and chemistry beforehand, which helped expedite the process of I going bet. to dental school. And then a four-year dental program, similar to medical school, four years of medical school. And then after four years of dental school, you can go out and practice as a general dentist and oh. be done after eight years. So I that's think I knew that. Awesome. Oh, yeah. It's manageable. Yeah. Eight years is manageable <laughs> <laughs> to some of us crazy folks. And then uh, uh, others who are even more crazy choose to do residency like myself and add a couple more years mm. onto, that, onto that road. But yeah, it is a long road. It is a lot of hard work. And it is a little crazy, the, the costs involved with that as well. I'm very lucky right. to have been in state for both my undergraduate degree and mm -hmm. for my professional degree, which means basically half the cost of, as if I were to go anywhere else. So very grateful for that. But some people are ending dental school with five, $600,000 oh, in debt. Oh, luckily, I mean, <laughs> not in that boat. So brutal. I knew it was a lot of money. And you know, the, the whole idea is that it's an investment. You'll be able to take care of those student loans, sure. you know, after you, you enter your practice, but half a million dollars. That's daunting. Wow. That daunting. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's interesting because yeah, you get to see a lot of different mouths. You get to see a lot of different ways that people have chosen to care for their teeth or not care for their teeth. I'm sure that you can think of a handful of situations like going through dental school where you maybe saw a mouth that was maybe a little bit interesting, unique. Like, is there, is there anything that stands out? Like, this was a, this was a weird it's situation. Funny. It's funny you say that because I think I've established that teeth aren't for everyone. There, when people say, <laughs> "Want to elaborate on that one?" Yeah, I think it applies to me as a professional. Like other people are like, "Oh, dentist, how could you be that?" Yeah. Like in nasty people's <laughs> mouths all day, and right. I love it. It's it's fine for me. And then teeth aren't for everyone, as in patients. Some people don't care about yeah. their teeth, and they okay. end up losing all their teeth. And it's just not for everyone, you know. It takes an investment to take care of your teeth, and if it, you're not willing right. to invest in it, maybe teeth yeah. aren't for you. Okay. Maybe teeth aren't for you. I just decided teeth weren't for me, so <laughs> I, just, I stopped brushing about ten years ago. I mean, that four minutes a day that you have to spend brushing—it it adds up. It's That's not, a lot. It's not for me. I would rather be doing something else. Four minutes frankly. can be spent anywhere else. Brushing? Yeah. I'm good. <laughs> just kidding. I brush my teeth. I do. I can tell you both have nice chompers. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> one, Logan, one question I have for you. I know that you got to be involved in a little bit of the more the research side of dentistry. Yeah. Particularly, you got to work with, I think, some some of the nerds over in the, the comp side department at, at the U as it pertains to like practicing in an AR environment. Could you tell us a little bit about your experience there? Like what's going on? Do you think that there's like going to be some interesting developments as we like charge forward into the future of dentistry? I think so. I had, it was an awesome experience being able to do research while in school. And that's how we progress the profession forward in everything is doing research. The project I was involved with actually utilized both virtual reality and augmented reality. And cool. the coolest thing that we did is we had these haptic arms with like fake drills on the end of it. What? And we would be drilling on simulation teeth and augmented reality. And there would be different resistances oh. for drilling on enamel versus drilling on dentin and what it would be like to fall into the pulp chamber and need to start a root canal. It was crazy, crazy cool. And I, th for those of you that don't know, the cost of a dental education is so expensive because the material costs are so oh. high. Mm. Next time you go to the dentist and you're like, this is gonna cost how much? Just know the dentist isn't taking home all of that. There's a lot of costs involved. And if we can create the dental education in an augmented reality, where they're drilling yeah. with these haptic arms and we're not going through all of these materials, mm. that's going to expedite the education process and save so much money to make it a lot more accessible for a lot of sure. people. So that that's gonna be a huge progress. I think we're still 
developing that it's still in its infancy right but i could totally see years down the road that mm-hmm. that's everything is done augmented before seeing a patient and you won't be able to tell the difference and i don't think like this idea it, yeah it, it just appeals to you know big huge nerds like me who love ar and vr and everything <laughs> just so that, that like people understand like how much of a cost benefit analysis this could be and how good it could be for like students what is the old school traditional way of practicing is it on just like a fake human mouth essentially and does it cost an insane amount of money to put together those prosthetics yeah so i have drilled on more plastic teeth than (laughs) i can count thousands and thousands and thousands of teeth and that's good right we practice on these teeth before we go down and drill on (laughs) real people but it it comes with a cost every tooth depending on the tooth can be between five and ten dollars and every drill bit can be between five and fifteen dollars and they're not all single use but pretty dang close so we go through a lot a lot of materials there and those plastics are really high tech too like it needs to feel as close to a human tooth when you get into working with with sure. patients as possible i mean i'm even even when you say like it's ten dollars that sounds like a lot but it's probably very little the cost yeah. has probably come down compared to how much like r d has gone into making this so sophisticated now now that you say that there are some teeth that are considerably more than ten dollars like the teeth we use on different exams and things have like synthetic carries a, a, a big cavity on it that we need to excavate and fill and those teeth are a lot more expensive oh. so i didn't even think of that like the tears and hierarchy of fake teeth but there are, <laughs> there is quite a hierarchy involved interesting so with this ar stuff that you're doing in school does that have its place also in the dentist office like is that changing inside the office too there are things happening now that yes are already utilizing ar and vr cool maybe not in the ways that you're thinking of somebody across the country drilling in somebody else's mouth on the side of the country but there are things where i can record your face and replace your teeth with what they would look like if i did these treatments oh wow open up and show you thing yeah okay so that's an augmented reality situation but it's not somebody on the east coast drilling and doing your surgery here um (laughs) You know what I want? I just want the AR technology to replace the stupid, dumb plaster stuff you have to get done when they take a mold of your, your oh, teeth. I hate worst. that stuff. It always falls into my throat. The metal always hits your gum. And you have to wait for it to harden and then pull it off. If they could just get in there and snap a photo. You'd and, be happy to know that that's, that is happening now. It's on its out, <laughs> the way out? That is happening now. Oh, Even God. in my residency, it's like 98% digital. We have these intraoral oh. scanners with small, narrow tips that I can just insert in your mouth, take a couple thousand pictures of the inside of your mouth, compile them into a 3D Whoa. digital model so that I don't have to put that goop in your mouth that's super uncomfortable. That <gasps> It's supposed to taste like bubblegum, but it just does <laughs> it, not. It doesn't. Never it does. Like bubble gum. Never Worst does. advertising ever. <laughs> not like bubblegum at all. Yeah, the future is now. End mouth goop 2022. Come on, AR. And <laughs> mouth goo 2022. That's Logan's motto for his new dentist office. And mouth goop. No mm-hmm. more mouth goop. Yeah. So that's the podcast episode. No more mouth goop. And mouth. <laughs> Join us as Logan puts an end to mouth goop. <laughs> so okay, I've got a question for you. What's your biggest pet peeve when it comes to maybe misconceptions that people have about how mm. teeth work, proper teeth cleaning? or anything else that comes to mind about dentistry? What's like a big, maybe just a tale we've passed on that's public knowledge, but it's totally uh, not true. A big dental myth that we've just propagated forever. I think this is really good and has some negative effects that bother me. Is We live in uh, a day and age where there's just a democracy of information where people can do all of their own research, which is great because they learn so much more about their conditions and they try to prevent them or try Mm -hmm. to mitigate them. But then sometimes they'll come in and say, no, I just want a filling on that tooth. And I'm like, that's gonna need a root canal and crown and (laughs) for sure. Mm -hmm. And and they try to uh, 
argue with me with the dentist right? <laughs> and I'm, I'm a dental student you know i don't have years of practice but as a patient you probably don't know more about your situation yeah. than, than me and the licensed attendants <laughs> of the school do the, the, the so, blog you found <laughs> is maybe not quite as credible as the dental school at the university of utah <laughs> yeah. or and i know fluoride is a big argument on a, a lot of fronts and that one's tough too when people are anti-fluoride for some blog that they mm -hmm. read or some case study. There's like a more meta conversation here, which mm -hmm. is that it's cool that people have so much power at, at their fingertips. Even Brett and I on this show, like a lot of what we talk about is just, you know, sort of articles we've looked up online, conversations we've had, things like that. But also, you know, deferring to experts, which is great point in case just being associated with you over the last few years, I've learned so much about how to take care of my mouth. It makes me happy. And even just the really simple things like waiting for your toothpaste to set in before taking that first sip of coffee. And also this kind of, I guess, bleeds into my next topic, which is, you know, my wife has had certain uh, procedures she's had to do specifically like root canals, but the first symptom was headaches and migraines. And this was the oh. first time I was ever exposed to the idea that migraines are a common sign that there's some sort of issue in your jaw or in your tooth, mm. you know? So is, could you elaborate on that at all? <laughs> this is going to come as a shock to everybody. I'm going to go out here and say something. It's probably going to knock your socks off, but your mouth is not separate from the rest of your body. As <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> what? <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Many people seem to treat it as entirely separate from the body, and so do doctors. And there's... There are many things that have a two-way relationship between our overall health and our oral health. I bet you didn't know that there is evidence to support that uncontrolled gum disease actually has a risk factor indicator for Alzheimer's. Wow. There's a higher correlation for those that have uncontrolled gum disease and incidence of Alzheimer's. Interesting. And diabetes, two-way street between diabetes and uncontrolled gum disease. Uh, speaking of that, in my dentist's office, for some reason, they are really adamant about advertising uh, gum disease leads to erectile dysfunction. Is that one of those? <laughs> I don't know why, but now I floss like there's no tomorrow, and I, I go and get Your my gums irrigated every three his teeth. months. Five times a day I'm now. Hyper focused on my gums now. <laughs> I don't know the research to support that one. Okay. I, I wouldn't doubt yeah. it, but I can't speak to yeah, that. Yeah, I call point, bullshit but... on that. <laughs> there, there may be evidence to support. Step back, Viagra. All I needed to do was floss. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh. Really? In your yeah yeah no that's not a joke. Yep huh? yep. Okay. All over the office. They're like, did you know? We like if you have gum disease, here. you probably will get erectile dysfunction. <laughs> oh, this, this is nice. Be Terrifies me. <laughs> Be able to talk about my profession unprofessionally. This is nice. <laughs> yeah, if there's one thing I'm good at, it's making something professional and uh, make it unprofessional. So, <laughs> uh, mission accomplished. But I, I have a bunch of questions I could ask yeah, bring you it all day about dentistry. Do like <laughs> dentists go to dentists? And who's yeah. the dentist dentist? Who's dentist? a dentist dentist? I right. would hope How does a dentist pick a dentist? <laughs> is it a pyramid scheme and there's one dentist <laughs> that sits at the top? And you have above. to recruit other dentists <laughs> below you and that's the only way you can make money. But the more you get, the more dentists the more money you recruit. <laughs> Yeah, so I would hope that everyone in the dental profession has either a friend or colleague in the dental profession who can help take care of them. Yeah. <laughs> if okay. they don't, that worries me. Or I, I also understand from the situation of being in a small rural area mm -hmm. and having a, a lot more difficulty in access to care True. in that regard. But right now I see whoever of my colleagues mm -hmm. that doesn't have their patient show up and my patient doesn't show mm -hmm. up, we'll just clean each other's teeth. Oh, okay. So, yeah. I guess what I was, I was trying to uncover is there's there's not some secret underground dentistry secret for dentists. Secret dentist society. <laughs> like that you use this some sort of elite form of dentistry that is not accessible to the rest of the world. <laughs> I thought, Brett, that it would be like, <laughs> like yeah, a total hierarchy. There's some sort of master dentist. Uh-huh 
There's that, actually this uh, secret. <laughs> there's a secret mouthwash that we keep private to ourselves. I knew it. I knew, it. I knew it. This is what I was trying to uncover. Why didn't you just say that? We rinse with it once a day, and it prevents all cavities and gum disease. We just can't give it to you because uh-huh. then you wouldn't pay us uh, for your dental work. Citizens, I knew it. I called it. I told Brett before we started. I knew it. There was something. We like got that. it though. We got him. <laughs> Tune in because that is not real. Nine out of ten dentists don't want you to hear this. So. <laughs> I think it goes deeper than this, but Logan won't tell us here. Mm -hmm. So we're going to test this. GSK advertises that 9 out of 10 dentists recommend using Sensodyne, while Procter & Gamble claims that Oral-B is the most used brand by dentists worldwide. Wait a second. And at the same time... Colgate Palmolive says Colgate toothpaste is the number one brand. Whoa, whoa. So number one, this is a multi-part question. Number one, tell us the truth, Logan. Who is the one dentist out of the 10 that doesn't recommend Sensodyne? And what toothpaste do you use? And does Ooh. our choosing toothpaste really even matter? Or is that just what Procter & Gamble want us to think? All right, we're getting into the meaty stuff oh now. Oh boy, oh boy. It is me. I am the one of 10 dentists who says not to <gasps> use Ah, we've got I'm the one. Kidding. I'm just kidding. Sensodyne is great. What level of detail do you want with to- toothpaste? I'll keep it I'll keep it light. I don't buy toothpaste or use it, so you can oh. so you can tell me whatever. <laughs> right? Anti-toothpaste my, household. My friendship and what I've taught you is going so well. <laughs> So toothpaste, that I I want to say that is all marketing. There is a lot of marketing behind that. There is some strength to support. So Sensodyne actually uses a different delivery mechanism of fluoride. Hmm. They use something called Stannis fluoride. And typical toothpastes have sodium fluoride. That's what's mm. been in it traditionally for ever and ever. Hmm. And for most people who are brushing their teeth twice a day and doing good and they're flossing and have good oral hygiene, sodium fluoride is more than enough to help strengthen your teeth and fight off cavities and decay. Stannous fluoride has been shown to help fortify and mineralize your tooth structure a little bit more at the consequence of causing staining to your teeth, which is not something that people really like. So Sensodyne, has been able to mineralize more tooth structure, helping decrease sensitivity, but there is a a slight risk of staining with chronic use. Got it. So it's not necessary. If you suffer from sensitive teeth, Sensodyne may work for you. I do have slightly sensitive teeth here and there. I don't use Sensodyne uh, just because I don't want to deal with the staining. I drink enough coffee as is. (laughs) I use whatever is provided for me free at the school. (laughs) So you don't have any sort of brand affiliation. No, not at all. You're looking at the ingredients. You're looking for sodium fluoride. Good to go. I feel like I've been tricked my whole life. Perfect. Yep. Whoops. This last time we were at the grocery store because we were we needed some toothpaste and I didn't happen to pick some up from the school. And it was like, what toothpaste, babe, what pa- toothpaste should we pick here? And then we just watched a lady just confidently go up and grab a tube of toothpaste and walk away. And we're like, she seems really sad on that one. Let's just get that one. <laughs> I look at it, it has sodium fluoride in it. Good to go. <laughs> Good enough for me. Most people probably sweat that more than they should. They see like the charcoal toothpaste. Uh This is going to help do X, Y, and Z. I'm going to just interrupt real quick on the charcoal. We don't want to do charcoal. If you can feel your toothpaste, and I, I would recommend doing this, feel your toothpaste, put a little bit between your fingers, run it back and forth. If it feels gritty... You are just sandpapering your teeth, Mm. which helps remove staining, makes your teeth appear a little more white. But But by the time you're 60, 70 years old, you're going to have worn away those teeth Uh with your sandpaper toothpaste. So no sandpaper in your toothpaste. Soft with a creamy toothpaste. Your teeth are not skin. Don't need exfoliation. No. Agreed. No. Well, you heard it here first, folks. This is the one in 10 dentist who will tell you that <laughs> toothpaste brand doesn't matter. Let's, let's wait. Let's fluoride. publish this. Once Sensodyne offers me a check to say we use their toothpaste, <laughs> I'll promote Sensodyne. Then you might be brand affiliated. <laughs> right. I think, yeah, traditional sodium fluoride works for most people. Sensodyne works for those that have sensitive teeth. But Thank you. Thought. Okay, another offhanded question just to change the topic. What do you do? when you pull a tooth. Have we had this conversation <laughs> like, before? where do they go? I don't know if we have, <laughs> have because we I don't know the answer. Before? Wait, 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 if wait. we have, I don't remember. Brett, they, everyone listening to this knows the answer to this. It's the tooth fairy. Duh. Uh, oh, <laughs> my. Of course. Swipes are you, those Are teeth. you telling me the tooth fairy isn't isn't real? Are you, cut, cut the podcast. <laughs> Over and out, we're out. But seriously, you pull a tooth, 
where is it going? Like after I pull the tooth, where yeah. does the tooth go? Yeah, you throw it away. Typically no. not. Typically not. You we- put it into a necklace. What are you, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> I do have a couple of art projects that have incorporated. Oh, me. I know. I've seen it. <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> I have a Realistic. feeling. Typically, people don't. Yeah, make a giant tooth out of a lot of teeth. Yeah, <laughs> that's not the norm. So what is the norm? <laughs> So I would say like 95% of the teeth we keep for research or practice. Oh. So up in your first years, first year or two of huh. dental school, you're drilling on a lot of plastic teeth. Yeah. And then you start drilling on teeth that have been extracted. Oh. And the real, the real good teeth are the, those that have had really bad gum disease to where they have, don't have any cavities. Their tooth is completely intact, oh, no yeah. cavities. But gum disease is so bad that their tooth is just wiggling around until mm. they can't keep it anymore and we just have to pull it out. And then we can take it upstairs and practice root canals on it. We can practice uh-huh. drilling and doing fillings on it, cutting crowns on it. So we do a lot of practice for dental education. We'll cut the same prep a hundred times and then do different resin filling techniques to see which one seals better around the margins or directionality of how we cure Mm -hmm. it or so a lot of it goes into r&d as well but i imagine sometimes you've got like a tricky tooth that's really healthy that for some reason you have to pull what do you do do you take a hammer to that sucker and like crack it apart to get it out let's ask brett how how would you go if you had to pull my tooth tooth? right Uh now like i was in such pain how would you go about pulling that great question i'm glad you asked this Okay, well, my immediate knee-jerk reaction is to go for my pliers with rubber-dipped handles for a little Oof. bit more grip. Rubber-dipped. <laughs> Makes sense. Uh, well, it's a solid move. I don't want to slip and hurt, yeah. Yeah, hurt, that hurt your bad. mouth. You I'm know? guessing that's an incorrect answer. I, <laughs> at, at some point, maybe. At some point, maybe you would okay. use. We use forceps. It's just it's oh, pliers, oh, okay. but shaped to the tooth. But sure. yeah, you're, tooth pliers. You're, uh, yeah, tooth pliers, forceps. Okay. Yeah. We're on par there. I would have just gone to my shed, probably. But that is the last thing we do when we actually go through the process oh. of pulling a tooth. These teeth are encased in bone, right? So it's actually not a matter of pulling a tooth from the bone as it is pushing the bone around the tooth to create space to have that tooth just kind of fall out. And at the very last step, the tooth is so loose that we just grab it with a pair of forceps or pliers and then just give it a little little turn, a little pop. You're not really yanking. Not at all. Not at all. If you're yanking teeth, you're doing it wrong. Around each one of our teeth, there is a ligament that holds it in the bone. Mm, And we wedge this piece of metal between the tooth and the bone and just kind of wiggle it back and forth, hold pressure in different areas to expand the bone around the tooth. And then we'll use different little narrow instruments to rotate between the two teeth to try to push that tooth out of the bone. It's that's yeah, so cool. A lot less pulling, a lot so, more gentle massaging a tooth out. So are you technically breaking a bone? You could say that. You could say that. There are there are times where there will be little bits of bone that, that break off as as it happens, but <gasps> Well wait, I I wanna take this deeper. <laughs> this is a ridiculous question. Is there ever a situation where you would have to like break the tooth apart? To oh, extract absolutely. it, oh, like I'm imagining it? a nail and a hammer type, type like situation. Chisel a tooth away. Kunk. Okay. Kink, 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 I'll speak. Kink. I'll speak to the hammer uh, first. <laughs> yeah, speak to that the hammer. That is something that we very, very rarely use, very seldom. But there it exists. Are, there are times where we use a mallet oh. and a chisel, very oh. gently. But speaking to your next point, are there times we just obliterate the tooth or cut the tooth yeah. in order mm-hmm. to get it out? Absolutely, especially Ooh. your molars on your mandible, your lower jaw have two roots. Your molars mm-hmm. on your upper jaw, your maxilla have three roots. And oh. sometimes those roots flare out in different directions. So trying to compress the bone all around to try to get that tooth out super difficult is very difficult because there's so much retention with those roots flared out mm-hmm. in different directions. So what we'll do is we'll take a high speed drill and just cut the crown of the tooth off and then cut between each of the roots. Whoa. So then we just have three roots that are easily, easy to pull out of there. Mm -hmm. I say pull, but it's really a pushing motion until they're loose enough to just grab them with the forceps. We're pushing teeth, not pulling teeth here. But yeah, there are times where it's easier and less traumatic to the patient even to just cut off a portion of the crown, separate the roots and pull those out individually. 
Right. Interesting. Basically, regardless of the tool you're using, whether or not it's the, the mallet, the mallet <laughs> not a hammer and a nail, James, or whether you're going in with forceps or whatever strategy you're employing, it's, it's all about basically trying to avoid that yanking motion as much as possible, taking into account the situation. Absolutely. It totally depends on the patient. It depends on the tooth. So mm-hmm. everybody's hmm. different. So what would, what would uh, be the most painful procedure you could get? at the dentist's office? I, I find that question very difficult because mm. everybody's different. Everybody's sure. pain tolerance is different. That's true, that's true. It depends on the situation. Okay. It depends on your immune response to mm-hmm. it. So I find that very hard to say, this is the most painful or that's the most painful. I've had some patients with root canals that have absolutely no trouble Interesting. at all. And then others that are horribly painful. Just that's me. On the mouth, I'd be like, whatever. It's not, it wasn't even really, it didn't, even hurt. It didn't even hurt that much. You want, like, we could do another one if oh, you want. Like, you don't need any more root canals. I'm like, that's fine. If that's what you, if you don't want to give me another one, then it's fine. Cause, I, <laughs> cause I'm fine and I don't feel anything. So it's good. <laughs> Have you seen Little Shop of Horrors? Uh-uh. It's about a patient who gets off by going to oh, the no. dentist. It just <laughs> loves the dentist. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> not me. Well, I mean, I like the after from going to a dentist, Mm -hmm. but my dentist is a little bit rough, (laughs) so if she hears that, sorry, but you are. Sorry, Brett's dentist. (laughs) (laughs) Logan, a big question for you that I'm sure most people listening right now are wondering, um, what's your favorite tooth? Mm -hmm. Favorite tooth? I'd probably go with the Wizzies, the wisdom teeth. Really? Yeah, so they're very unique each one comes in with like a different morphology and shape and maybe a different number of cusps and they have or, or none own, at all or yeah some people have none i actually had five you had no what pause pause you had five yeah i didn't know that was a thing ever it, yeah it happened <gasps> it happens. brutal well wait wait can we just hit pause here on this let's hit pause why do wisdom teeth even exist if <laughs> we just have to get them pulled out anyways right <laughs> So evolutionarily, we had room in our mouth for wisdom teeth. Our jaws were bigger. We did a lot more crunching and grinding with our teeth than we do now. So as time has progressed, you can imagine how processed our diets have become and we chew a lot softer things. Foods got softer, yeah. Our jaws are actually getting smaller as centuries are going on. I thought Um, my jaws (laughs) Teeth are staying the same size. So, we'll so you're saying oh. that basically wisdom teeth do actually serve a purpose. We've just become weaker. We're just, <laughs> yes. We can't handle our own we, wisdom teeth. The wisdom teeth can handle us, but we can't <laughs> handle the wisdom teeth. <laughs> yeah. And now because our jaws are getting smaller and our teeth are staying the same size, every, crowding in crooked teeth is becoming a lot more of an issue because oh. our jaws don't have space to handle all of them and it needs to be artificially mm-hmm. expanded or... In some cases, people need to have teeth extracted so that their teeth fit along where their jaws actually are. So. Mm-hmm. Huh. But, I mean, you pick the wisdom teeth as your favorite, so <laughs> yeah. they're serving a purpose somewhere. <laughs> Do you still have them? Did you get them removed? Uh, no, I got all of them removed. Yeah. All five of them? All five. Mm-hmm. They were, my jaw is too small to have them grow in uh, correctly, so they were impacted into my adjacent teeth. Yeah funny i have another question for you this might be a little bit personal too so if you don't want to answer it you don't have to um but you should um (laughs) what do you do on a particularly gassy day at the office um because i I can imagine and this is instantly delved into unprofessional territory so yeah tread how you will but yeah some (laughs) days are gassier than others right let's all admit that what do you as a de- you can't just be be ripping <laughs> while you're working on a patient, right? Uh, maybe you can. I don't know. How does that work? You know, I've examined other people who are working from home in this day and age, and I'm like, hmm, maybe I made a mistake. Yeah. I don't want to say I don't have to fart during the day because everyone does, but I keep my breakfasts really light, and it's pretty much the same Smart. thing every morning. And I no keep fiber my lunches. one bars for breakfast. <laughs> no fiber one for breakfast. And then I keep my lunches really light, and then mm-hmm. I eat uh, a lot more densely in the evenings. 
that way I don't feel lethargic during the day. Sometimes I'm yeah, in yeah. surgery extracting a bunch of teeth and I don't want to feel distracted or have that afternoon lag of after a big meal. But it's not yeah, it's not horribly bad as it is in the evenings when I try to stink out my wife from yeah. the house. <laughs> you know what? You know what I would do if I was Logan? I would just like turn one of the machines up really loud and be like, "Sorry, we need to do a <laughs> And then the guest is like, hmm, it suddenly smells different than it did before. Are you sure their that's bubblegum flavored? Their mouth is wide open, so it might even taste oh. different. <laughs> so uh, what I'm learning, you, you got to find a dentist. That's really nice of you, first off, that you're even conscious of that. Find a dentist that is conscious of that. You know, cares enough about their patients. Yeah. Especially, yeah. you think about being at the dentist, you're laying down... In mouth wide lap. open very vulnerable wide open you yeah. are uh, inches away that's from true. that orifice like, that would be you are the first recipient <laughs> mhm <laughs> <laughs> oh. we did kind of touch on this earlier but there's a lot of things we're doing to our mouths that we probably shouldn't be mm-hmm. i drink coffee i know i shouldn't be doing that Sugar's and i'm sure i'm doing a lot of other things that i even don't know having skittles that right i shouldn't before be going doing. to sleep at night well mm. i can't i'm not gonna cut that that's not you really should but <laughs> i it's that's part of my lifestyle <laughs> what are we doing that's maybe a common misconception that people you see people are doing that they should not be doing to their mouths does that make sense mm. for instance uh, let me give you an example uh i was using you know those flosser yeah. little picks mm. i was using the opite end of that to go in between my teeth Hmm. You told me that that is... No wait, good. wait, wait, there's it's... an opposite end? There's a... <laughs> what? what? I think I've been flossing wrong. Dude, what are you using to floss? Just the, the picks. Hemp and rope. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean there's an opposite end? You know the end you floss with, the end that's not that one. <laughs> the other? You were using the pointy end? To, to go... Fl- no, not the floss. But like to go in between my teeth to get other stuff. Oh, you know what I mean. The pick. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And and uh, I was told that that like corrodes in between your teeth too much. Yeah, it's not a horrible thing, right? You can go in between your teeth. To you can use a toothpick between your teeth, and mm-hmm. it's going to be okay. If you do it chronically all the time, you could mm. actually push those gum tissues further down towards okay. your roots, creating little black triangles between your teeth. Mm-hmm. I would bet if you do it every couple of days with a toothpick, you're gonna be okay. Okay. But the farmer who has a toothpick in his mouth 24 okay. seven, Got pushing it. that down, he's gonna create little gaps between his teeth. And when he smiles, you can actually see the shadow of the inside of his mouth. Mm. And where you would normally see pink gum tissue, mm-hmm. you see these black triangles that doesn't look very aesthetically Okay. Pleasing. And also, Farmers I imagine those little gaps—they obviously can get filled up with food, so it makes yeah. upkeep more difficult. It Maybe more prone more to gingivitis, gum disease, periodontal health in general. Right, you would think that, but if if he has that toothpick in there all day, he's keeping he's those clean, clean gums as a whistle. <laughs> true, 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 true. And he's got healthy gums, even though there's those black triangles in between. I'm not promoting that you do that because it'll leave those black triangles. Mm-hmm. But a good thorough flossing once a day, and you're going to be just fine. Right. Okay, interesting. So are there any other habits we should get out of off the top of your head that you can think of? Brett, when do you brush your teeth in the morning? I get up and I eat breakfast and then brush my teeth. Hmm. When do you drink coffee in that mix with breakfast? No, I drink coffee about maybe 30 to 40 minutes after I brush my teeth. Oh, nice. Is awesome. that is that okay? Yeah, yeah totally. I do that because of you. <laughs> I I used to get up I would have coffee and then go brush my teeth oh I did that too my cup of coffee I did this for years okay I'll answer your question yeah the vast majority of people wake up have their coffee or their orange juice or Uh or whatever and then they immediately brush their teeth afterwards because if you brush your teeth and then drink it it tastes nasty Mm -hmm. right who's doing that but if you bathe your teeth in this acid and Mm -hmm. then go brush your teeth you're actually just wearing down your teeth you're sandpapering your teeth you bathed them in acid and softened them to the point that you can actually microscopically remove amounts of your teeth structure so i think that is a big problem that if people just woke up brushed brushed their teeth Waited for a little while mm-hmm. for the toothpaste, you know, shower, do whatever else you're going to need to do, and then drink your coffee and have oh, your breakfast. 15 okay. or 30 minutes later, once it's had time to set in, yeah. then you're good to mm-hmm. go. Yeah, that would, be a, that would be a huge help. Also, 
Yeah, I don't want to get too educational in this regard, but just getting into the habit of flossing every day. Mm-hmm. I yeah. typically don't floss before bed every night, but anytime I'm behind the steering wheel, mm-hmm. I have one of those floss picks and I'm flossing mm-hmm. my teeth. Oh. It's not, a floss pick is not a replacement for traditional floss, mm-hmm. uh, but it is still really good. We can't do a cupping motion around the front and the backside of each tooth like you can do with real string floss. So it's not a substitute, sure. but getting in the habit of flossing regularly and just staying on top of your oral hygiene is going to be so much better than, oh, I, I forgot. It's been a week since I flossed and then giving it a thorough floss isn't going to make up for the negligence in between. Okay. Right. So just consistency, I guess. Yeah. Oh. My weakness. <laughs> this was like this thing that you just talked about. Uh, can actually report that since knowing you and being educated by you, I've changed that, and the number of cavities and problems I feel like I've experienced has significantly decreased since changing that no one way. simple thing in my morning routine, <laughs> which is my my acidic food or beverages or whatever it is is like a good 30 minutes after my, my morning brushing. <laughs> the one thing, Dennis, don't, don't want you to know. <laughs> Logan, will send your bill in the mail it should, it should be getting to your house uh, this week <laughs> i only have like one last question for you dude but the thing that i'm most curious to hear from you is if you could snap your fingers and magically change one thing about the entire dental industry right now what would it be and why about the dental industry i think dental insurance is a joke mm-hmm. and it's a hoax it's, uh, <laughs> and these dental insurance companies are just big businessmen and they're selling uh, they're selling to other companies hey we've got this great benefit plan and then these employees sign up for it and they're like oh i've got great dental insurance mm-hmm. and then they go to the dentist and the dentist is getting screwed and the patient is getting screwed and the only one who really capitalizes off of this is the insurance company mm-hmm. and it is, I think it is unethical, and this is medical and dental insurance as well, but right. it is unethical the amount of control that the insurance companies have. We're delving into a way deeper topic here, but the amount of control that they have over treatment and what's approved to be covered by insurance yeah. and what's not approved. Mm. Even when the doctor or dentist is the one prescribing these things, the insurance company's like, oh no, we don't cover that. We cover this yeah. instead. And that Even gets the in the way said, of the the dentist patient relationship too right because now you're thinking what can we do that's covered rather than yeah what should we do or like i gotta say (laughs) no to this service on my own mouth because i can't afford it out of my own pocket because insurance doesn't care it's really sad really sad i think what's going to be a replacement and be better for patients and providers in that realm is more in-house service plans Mm -hmm. where you pay an annual fee of X amount of dollars and you get all of your prophylactic work, Mm. cleanings, x-rays, exams, you get that all included. And that is more of a preventative nature, right? Right. You pay this Mm -hmm. fee and we'll keep you healthy. And then if you pay for that benefit plan, you'll get a discount on more definitive things like crowns and implants or dentures down the road if you actually need those services. And that helps take from the insurance companies dictating these things and really empowers the patients and providers. Big dental insurance, if you're listening to this, please. <laughs> Big take insurance note. period. <laughs> yeah, insurance yeah. period, right? Sorry, this is kind of like a follow up question to this. I imagine there's a lot of dental students at the University University of Utah who feel similarly to you. Are there campaigns among dentists, you know, people heading to Washington trying to, I don't know, think about how we structure laws moving forward so that they make more sense for people or are you know, better for the dentist and the patient. Do you see, do you see progress? Do you feel optimistic about the future and the way that it's, it's trending? I feel optimistic, especially with the democracy of information. Mm-hmm. As people are becoming more educated in how corrupt the insurance organization is in medicine and dentistry, I think patients are going to have an uprising. Yeah. And, <laughs> and so are the providers. I'm act- I've actually been the legislative liaison for uh, the School of Dentistry's student dentist chapter. And I've oh. traveled to DC and talked with our 
state, local legislators on some of these issues and some other ones as well. We've seen some success in lobbying for insurance companies have been calling like congenital malformations and anomalies Mm -hmm. not covered by insurance. So people with cleft lip and palate, they could say this isn't covered by insurance. Or or we we repaired the cleft lip and palate at birth and that initial event was covered, but down the road they could be missing teeth and they need extensive dental work done and dental insurance will be like, no, we don't cover And that is something that they have no control over. If I get right. gingivitis because yeah, I'm not flossing, that's on you. I have, have some control over that. Sure. Right, but what you're describing, these patients have no control over. Uh, you know, yeah. that's sad. Really tragic. <laughs> I do think I am hopeful that things are going to be improving. I I'm also realistic in that it is going to be a battle. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> that there are a lot of people who have a lot of money vested in these things. Even many public traded insurance companies that exist that profit off of denying people benefits. That's going to be very hard to get people's mutual funds to decrease because Mm -hmm. they own stakes in these big corporations. But anyway, that's a whole different different topic. Thank God we have a dentist like you coming into the industry who recognize that and can pave the way for change, I guess. Hey, well, thanks. I think you put me a little too highly there. I cannot put do, you high can enough, do what I can. Logan. If, if there's more people that know a little bit about yeah, it, that's right. a step in the right direction. Yeah, so. even if they're not dentists. Knowing about it, I think, is a good step. But Awareness. Yeah. I mean, Logan, this has been great. I feel like I have gone to dental school <laughs> in this short amount of time, and I'm ready. No, I'm just kidding. So, so Brett, do, let me ask you this, I do Brett. feel very uh, educated now. So you've you've heard, been exposed to all this information today, Brad. Mm-hmm. Learned so much. Are you going to stop eating Skittles right before going to bed, James? This is uh, just a, a non-negotiable item. I thought we, you we established that we're not going to. No, I'm not changing. Well, all right. So. You heard it here first. <laughs> Thank you. Brad Logan. is going to lose his teeth. Uh, and we've we've grilled you with questions, and you've answered them gracefully. So, this is you. We're turning the time over, or they're turning the table oh, the turn to you. Tables. The turntables is turning in the turnstile to you. Um, no, I mean, do you have anything the, that you want people to know? That Sure. Your, your little dentist soapbox. Sure. I, um... Going into dental school, I thought things were going to be more black and white than they uh-huh. are. I used to tutor math, and I loved the sciences as a whole. And things are a little more cut and dry or observational as this is fact and we can support it. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that dentistry is not that way. There are thousands of things that dentists agree on. But if you get 10 different dentists in a room on how to address a case or come uh-huh. up with a treatment plan, you're likely going to get 11 different opinions <laughs> on how to address yeah. that yeah. case. Just because everybody, every dentist has had a different experience on what works with for them and what works sure. in their hands. And uh, people respond to different things differently. So there's a spectrum of gray area. And sometimes people are put in the case of, my dentist says I need to do this thing, and I went to another dentist, and they said that that's complete mm, bogus. Mm. And I would argue that both of these dentists were right. In their mm-hmm. right, yeah. they observed one thing, and this was the treatment that they have found works in that situation yeah. for them. And maybe things had changed by the time you had seen that next dentist. So it's a whole lot of gray area, not as much black and white. And dentists as a whole, I think, are really good at what they do. And I don't think they should ever be thrown under the bus. Amen. Well, thank you, Logan. I I love talking about this. I don't know if that's odd, but I do. So I really do. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I appreciate you taking the time. <clears throat> awesome. Thanks for having me, guys. Thank Thanks you, Logan. Thanks for being halved. <laughs> we wish you well, continuing your education at Virginia Commonwealth. And can't wait to see how many mouths you help make a little bit better we're gonna have you back cool i'd love to be back